Welcome back to the show. We are continuing our series in honor of October being the National Women's Small Business Month, where I get to introduce you to a few of my friends and kick-ass female entrepreneurs to share some of the goodness of what they have going on and their experience and some tips and tricks and insights in case you yourself are an entrepreneur or maybe you can glean a little bit of other wisdom as we talk about mindset and so much more to come. I am so excited for this week's guest because I am bringing you an entrepreneur that I recently met. We were both speakers at the Fueled Women's Conference in Owensboro, Kentucky, and we pretty much immediately hit it off and decided we had to be best friends. So we've made that happen in the meantime, and I cannot wait to introduce you to my dear friend, Dr. Zabina Basin, or better known as Dr. Z, and she is a child psychiatrist, a diversity and inclusion expert, and an entrepreneur and founder of In Kids Co. I cannot wait for you to hear this awesome conversation. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. All right, Dr. Z, welcome to the show. Before we jump in, because I have so many questions that I can't wait to chat with you about, I would love for you to introduce yourself for folks that maybe have never met you and just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you got going on. I feel like you said it already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a non-practicing child psychiatrist. I practiced for a few years. I was in the hospital administration up until I had my wonderful two children. And I took a break for about four years and decided that I wasn't going back into healthcare and took a leap into becoming an entrepreneur, which I knew nothing about. I was like, what, what am I doing? And I was told, Hey, guess what? Now you're a business owner. I'm like, Oh, wow. So that's really my roundabout life. My whole life. I've just wanted to be a doctor and I became one. And then I became a mom a little bit late in life. And said, okay, now I want to really focus on my kids. And when they were going to get ready to go to school, I was like, I got to figure out something to do because my wonderful husband was like, you're going to drive me nuts. (laughs) And so I, I, I started in kids and in kids has not only been a mission, but it's been a passion of mine because raising empathetic and kind children, I think we all want to just do that. We want to make a better future for our kids. And it's just come full circle for me the way my mom raised me and did what she did. And I, I guess we're going to get into that story as well, but that's what I've become too. And it's funny because my mom literally just left and I was telling her I'm doing this podcast and she's like, don't forget to mention me. I'm like, okay, mom, I won't. I love that. My mom's all about the the, the celebrity status in her life right now. <laughs> well, shout out to Dr. Z's mom. I hope, I hope she's tuning into this episode. <laughs> I'll make sure she does. I love it. Okay. I... I definitely want to dive in and talk about In Kids Co. because it is an amazing company with an amazing mission. But before we jump into that, I want us to back back up a little bit because you are very modest, Z, because you're just like, oh yeah, I was a physician and you know I worked in these hospitals. But you 
first of all, your story of how you become a doctor and overcame like your own challenges is really inspiring. And you were like a pretty big deal in your industry, outsider looking in here, like very well established in your career. And I want you to share a little bit more about that journey of your journey of becoming a doctor and overcoming your own challenges. And then also like taking this, this leap into a world, even though you already had this really well-established career and now you're jumping into something where you're like, whoa, what the heck am I doing? But first, like, tell us a little bit about how you first started your career and overcame some of your own challenges. So I grew up, I'm born and raised Cali girl. I'm South Asian, which is Indian. Um, My religious background is Sikh. If some of you don't know what Sikhism is, it is a religion where we are a denomination of Hinduism. We're about 250, 300 years old. We wear turbans as well. One of our our religious beliefs is not to cut our hair. So we're, we're very much confused with the Islamic religion, but we wear turbans as well and we have long beards. But Sikhism is very different. We believe in one God and we have gurus that teach us I think what every religion teaches, which is to be kind, loving, help one another. There's nothing really different about it. But identifying wise, we were known as the warriors within the Indian um, religion upcoming, you know, from difference from Hindu, Islamic, Christianity um, and Judaism, which is in India as well. So we were that's what we are. We're Sikhs. So I grew up in Cerritos, California. A very diverse town here in Cali. And um, it's funny because, Kai, we talk about the, the cow thing. When my dad came to Cerritos, it was all cow dairy. It was, he literally bought property there when it was all cows. So it was in the late 70s. Um, both my parents are very well educated. My dad went to um, college. Uh, he did his undergrad here in California and his um, master's. And my mom went to Long Beach State. So she's a, she's a teacher herself. So they both went to college here and then they got married. And, and you know, we grew up in Cerritos and it just seemed like, okay, we're a normal Indian immigrant family that had, you know, I have three brothers and was the only girl. We had a lot of family always around, lots of family because my mom brought all her sisters here. So there are eight kids and there was constantly cousins in my house and they need communities very tight knit as well. You know, you're always trying to really teach your own culture more. And then you're, you're kind of learning about the American culture at the same time because you're part of these two worlds. So growing up was just very culturalized, you know, and and then there's a discovery that you have when you're growing up, when you're about nine, 10 years old, that look, I come from this culture and this, this heritage where girls aren't really, you know, they're like, there's this nature of you're going to be staying at home cooking, or you're going to get married and you're going to leave the family. But my parents were like, no, more than that, we do want you to be educated. We want you to make something of your life. My dad was like, I'm not here just to like, put you back into the back days of getting married at 18 years old. But my mom still had this thing that the boys were her boys, you know, and and I'm not trying to say she was treat me to be badly or was like, you're going to cook and clean and not do anything. I played basketball. I was in Girl Scouts. I did all the things. But I always had a feeling of not feeling the same that my mom felt about my brothers. You know, there's this little intimate feeling. And then there was also the cultural aspect and this fact that I'm not white. I'm not Caucasian and I was bullied and I had racial discrimination put against me. Kids are mean. When you go into elementary school, they treat you badly, whether it's about the food you eat or the way you look. And those days in the 80s, you know, I don't think anyone really taught us how to not be bullied. Yeah, there was like, don't do drugs and (laughs) don't get involved in gangs. But no one said, hey, don't bully a kid because she has long hair and oil in it or she eats rice and beans. And, you know, my mom understood that and and she really fought that within our schools and she really came in because my brothers also had long hair 
and they were called girls when they were boys, they were beat up. I mean, we had, we had the whole bit of the bullyingness. And so that was, that was something that we struggled through too. The hardest thing I think for me growing up was my parents were very educated and education was a big deal for us. Now I'm an Indian girl growing up in America, born and raised here, fighting the battles of being an Indian girl and wanting to live the American culture and go out and do things. And I find out that my parents see that I'm not really studying well. There's something not right. You know, my dad's an engineer, my mom's a teacher and they're struggling with me and I don't have interest in it. And I go through elementary school, just not doing well in school. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like it. I also didn't like it because kids made fun of me all the time, but I think there was an internal struggle I had. And that struggle we found out was I was dyslexic and which was not accepted by my family. They were like, what is that? <laughs> like, you're not supposed to have a, what? Educational problems? No, we're Indians. We're supposed to be doctors, engineers, and lawyers. You're like supposed to be the smartest people in the world. And guess what? I wasn't, I was stupid <laughs> according to them. And I don't think they thought, okay, they, they didn't know stupid or smart, but they were like, this is something not used to them. And my mom was an educator. So she was a taken back, like, how do I fix this? And she couldn't because she didn't know what to do. And it was interesting. I was put into a private school in seventh grade and that's where they found out and tested me. And it was, it was the insecurities that started with me because I was, I wasn't smart in school. I was struggling when it came to my grades. I didn't feel like I could do well. I was being made fun of all the time. I didn't have all the friends in the world. I was the insecure, scrawny Indian girl. And then I discovered basketball. And it was a little bit before seventh grade. So I want to say, I think we enter seventh grade, what, 12 years old or something or like that? Yeah. So I think I found it in about 10, 10 years old. But when I really excelled in it was at that point. And I say this a lot in, in when I speak is that I have a coach who discovered me, I say, and he was, he was my coach when I was 11, 12 years old. And I was the tallest girl always because I'm still the tallest girl. I'm 5'11". And he said, here, here's a ball. And and we started to do a play and I, and I'm not going to cuss. I promised myself that, but I literally blocked a shot and my coach turned around and said, oh my gosh, she can effing play. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I watched basketball all my life. My dad, my brothers were all in sports. You know, we watched the Fabulous Five play from the Lakers. If you're an LA person, you know who the Fabulous Five are. You know, the Magic Johnsons, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Byron Scotts, James Worthy. You watch these guys play and you were like, we're going to do it. You know, I grew up saying before the WNBA, I'm going to be the first girl in the NBA. And that's how much basketball inspired my life, you know, because it was part of it. And it was the first time between my dyslexia, me feeling insecure as a human being, me not feeling like I was worthy enough and just constantly being fearful of everything that I was like, wow, I have something, I can do this. And, and I struggled, you know, with other things, but, but I played and I enjoyed playing. And don't ask me to play now because I'm 43 years old and I haven't played in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, like they get excited, you know, and, and, and my brothers were better than me, but, but I played with the boys, you know, so I wanted to play. Look, I wasn't like this all state high school champion, but I, I had this gift that I knew I could block shots. I could play power forward. I could play center. And when I really put myself into the game, I played. Later in life, I coached girls basketball. And I think the inspirational piece of what my coach did for me was really just inspiring me to say, you can do something. 
And that's what I did with for the girls when I was coaching basketball later in life, because just to inspire another girl or another child to say this game or this piece of your life is going to give you something. It really did that. Um, Dr. Z also came from my coach. So, so it's even more inspiring because not him realizing what my life path was going to be. He named me Z and he named me Z because he couldn't yell Zabina down the court because he was just frustrated with things I did. But a year and a half later, he gave me a jersey based off of Dr. J and he called me Dr. Z. Later in life, I found out who Dr. J was. I was like, oh, that was not a good comparison for me. But <laughs> Dr. J has a history, guys. Just look him up. He's a great basketball player, but he's got a history. So so I, I was inspired by that to be like, my coach didn't only look at me as a player. He looked at me as a person. He looked at me as someone he could push. He looked at me at someone that he can do. And that's really what I've learned, not only from my mom, but also from my coaches is that if we give that time and benefit to really take time for a child or someone who needs that inspiration, they can excel in so many ways. So having dyslexia, and then later in life, going to med school and then also going to an international medical school, you know, where you have to write essays and stuff like that. And having inspirational students around me who wanted to help me and understood my dyslexia and then really succeeding in that. And then actually finally figuring out, OK, like child psych wasn't the, the way I wanted to go for other reasons. And then creating this hospital administration life for me and eventually going into executive classes and, and being an executive in the hospitals and then building cancer centers. I was like, okay, there is a path for me. There's something I need to do and it is to give back. And I, I found that really as a child through basketball. So I always say basketball and, and has been my inspiration to really get to where I am today. Oh, I love that. I love that story. And I just think I think it's so cool too to hear about your childhood and the impressions that were made on you at such a young age because it's and you know obviously you're a child psychiatrist and so like that's that's been your work and what you've studied your whole life and I imagine that maybe your own experience as well as your background has been part of the foundation of you starting this new business venture. So you mentioned in Kids Co. Tell us what the heck is In Kids Co. Why did you start this business? What is its purpose? Tell us all the things. So In Kids basic is we're we're a toy company. We're a diverse and inclusive toy company. We create products that develop tomorrow's global ambassadors. We make kid-focused products that help children learn about other cultures while they're inspiring to create their own world and then embrace diversity and embrace all people and accept them exactly how they are. So our biggest thing is we're dedicated to creating connections and championing unity among people. That's really all we are. We're simply just creating this and we're creating DEI toys. You know, we're creating toys. What is the best way for a kid to understand something is through play. Diversify your playroom, playroom in classrooms, teach through play. That's been the consistent pattern, not only in education, but in psychology to tell people to understand someone's emotions and especially a child is through play and through, you know, crafts and coloring, all these, all these little, little things that kids will talk to you about. So when and how did I start in kids? It was really interesting is the story behind that is it was just to do it for my kids. That's really what I wanted to do. We were in a rare place in this world where I was noticing that things weren't changing from the time I grew up. Like kids were still being mean to kids. 
there was so much bullying going on internationally, whether you're in London or you're in Australia or you're in, in here in the United States, kids were still beating up kids, whether they were Down syndrome, whether they were they were black, whether they were brown, whether they you know come from different religious backgrounds. Kids are always still picking on kids and then it turns into biases and prejudices and, and then bullying and then violence. I'm like, it's still happening. It happened to me 40 years ago. Like, why is this still happening? I don't understand this. So I said, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, right, the first question comes down to, I could say the talk, I can complain, I can put these words out there, but I need to do something. So as Imara was growing up, and she's my daughter, she's my oldest one, she's going to be six in December, she basically had a lot of kids in her class, and they were starting preschool. And I said, let's, let's start talking about our own culture first. Let's go teach them about Diwali. Let's go teach them about Holi. And then I started talking to the teachers and I was like, we need to do this for other parents too. And they wanted to, but they didn't have resources. So what I started doing at home was my Artia, you know, who helps me raise the kids. We have a very diverse home. Artia is from Guatemala. I'm from India. We have many friends that are from Korea, China, um, from the UK, from Russia. And we, I started saying, I want to learn about each of these cultures so I can explain it to my kids. So not only now am I diversifying their playroom, I'm diversifying their play groups. I'm diversifying their foods. I'm diversifying their board games. They're, you know, I'm teaching them inclusivity through different aspects of, you know, someone's wearing glasses, someone's in a wheelchair. So I'm bringing all these pieces into my room, into the, into the house. And my girlfriends are like, where did you get this? I'm like, nowhere. I just like, I went to a bunch of stores and I started collecting it and started creating it or making it, you know, like I found the right books to put it. So we created it. Okay. So we created a Guatemala box because we wanted to show Imar and Zane everything about where Thea's from. Um, so we got the hand looms. We talked about this, about the games they play there. Then I did an India box, you know, just a little bit of each. And then I started creating small, small things at the house and everyone was like, we want that box. And I'm like, I only have one. <laughs> I don't have more than one. I'm like, where do you want me to do this? And then the teachers started asking, they're like, how are you doing this? And I was like, you know, I wanted to make sure my kids grew up in America where they accepted people who they are. And when Amara went to school or Zane went to school, they were like, oh, you're from China because you're eating this or you're there wasn't making fun of the smell or the 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 eyes or the looks there was oh, we get that because we understand that because we learned it from my mom or, or, you know, and then it went from that point to that was like, everyone just kept asking. And I said, okay, so I need to sit down and figure out how to do this. And then it really made me understand because when I was practicing, I took back how I would try to understand a child through his emotions by what he was doing, whether it was playing with a toy, whether it was drawing a picture. And I said, how different is that? How to inspire a child to understand someone else by playing with the toy or sitting and looking at a culture box. So it really came together for me as that piece. I think the other aspect that really helped was when I was in hospitals and I did hospital administration, I didn't realize this till I think later about, actually I wanna say about six months ago when my old CEO came and he said, you actually diversified hospitals and you didn't even know you were doing it. You were bringing in patients and doctors and administrators and employees based off the fact that you wanted to have more belonging in the hospital so people felt accepted. And I think that's been an integral, integral, ugh, integral part of me for me to do that. And so in kids came very naturally with my own children. Oh, so good. So basically in kids co now it is, it's a subscription box, right? And each one of these boxes features a different country or religion or culture. 
Right. So we're not doing religion. Um, in kids is we have a bi-monthly subscription and you can buy the products and boxes at any time all around the year. We um, are also on in retail. We're on Maisonet.com and we're on we're on Nordstrom.com. And we are also going to be in retail in stores in 2022. Soon I'll tell I'll tell Kai that later and then she can put it up later once we announce it. But but we are going to we're going to be um, creating not only the subscription piece, but also buy product at any time you want, because we are going to scaling into also creating toys, which are dolls and board games and flashcards and, and digital pieces for kids. So we're teaching culture, we're teaching country, and we're teaching acceptance and belonging through our toys. We're not doing religion yet, but but we'll, we'll figure that. And we're also, excuse me, teaching inclusivity because we want people to understand that there is a piece that kids don't understand when it comes to kids in wheelchairs and disabilities. So we are coming out with an inclusivity box as well. So cool. And what I love about this so much, Z, is that it, it is really founded from your own experience. And I, I just love, I think, I think, you know, this isn't always the case, but I just think a lot of times entrepreneurship is really created organically by like someone's, it really started with your own passion and the way that you showed up as a mom and people saw that and wanted that. And just to see the way that it has grown even over the past few months, I mean, you have so many exciting things coming down the pike. It's so amazing. But you know, something that I think is so interesting is, you know, I know you grew up in LA and LA is pretty diverse, right? There's lots of different cultures in LA and where I grew up still in California, but in a very rural part of California, we don't, I mean, we have some diversity, but not a whole lot, you know, and, you know, I come from a still a very predominantly white community. Um, and I was surrounded and grew up with my own cousins and people that looked like me and people that thought like me. And what I think is so special about this is for, for folks that maybe aren't in a community where they can expose their children to cultural diversity in their immediate community, whether it's, you know, having friends that do come from a different race or culture as they do, this is a, an amazing tool for them to bring that cultural diversity into their home, even if they don't have immediate access to it in their community. Well, I think one of the things you just hit the nail is that, that, that eventually... Okay, whether you're a parent or you're an aunt or uncle or you're a grandparent, the child that's in your life that you want to, and you know this because you're an aunt and I see all the time that you have, you want them to become global ambassadors. So they're not, they may not stay in this little small town for the rest of their life. They may expose themselves to other things. But the one thing you're doing is you're not teaching them bias and prejudice and racial discrimination. You're teaching them to evolve in other cultures, to understand the world outside of their little world. Because I think a lot of our parents and a lot of the older generation didn't have that, that piece to it. And they wanted it, but it was hard to find. Right. So with the resources that we're giving at in kids co, or if you go on our website and you see the resources of other products that we have out there that are diverse enough to diversify your playroom or to your television or to your movies or to your food or books, we give those resources because there's all these aspects out there that kids can actually see. Here's the one thing it helps a child. It builds their imagination. It builds them to want to discover. It builds them to want to think bigger and better and to go push themselves to say, Hey, I want to go to China one day. I want to go to Malaysia one day. I want to go to South America one day. You know, I want to go discover the world. Or when they're introduced to them in a different workforce or in a work field, there's no bias and prejudice or discrimination. There's just acceptance. So you're taking these little, little toys and these little, little things right now and building a future for them. And anyone can do that, whether it's you as an aunt or a grandparent or as a mom or dad to purchase it anytime. 
Yeah. I just, I think it's so cool because, you know, thinking back to my childhood, I feel like so many of the issues that we walk through as adults stem from something that happened in our childhood. And I know that that, that is, that is true for me when it comes to my relationship with my body. You know, I still, I'm 28 years old. Elementary school was a long time ago, but I still remember like it was yesterday, some of the things that kids told me. And whether it's you being you being judged because of the way that your body looks or your abilities or your culture, those are things that we hold on to forever. And I guess, do you think, Z, that one of the reasons, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but it's, it feels like we live in a time right now that's more divided and polarized than ever. And it's it's heartbreaking, honestly. It really is. And I know that you believe that our cultural differences unite us more than they divide us. I know that's like one of your tags. And, you know, thinking back to how impressionable we are in our childhood and how I'm still working through things that happened in my own childhood, is that why you, f- you feel so passionate about this cultural exposure for the young kids specifically? Yeah, 100%. I, so if we don't start early and teach our kids early, we're going to definitely see the same patterns happen over and over again that me and you experienced. And we have to start with this generation. So I don't know if you know this, Generation Z is the last generation as anybody within their teens going into their 20s. My kids and the kids that come after me, we get to start all over again. My kids are Generation A. And that is the best thing in the world because we have this opportunity to start all over again. So when your kids happen, I think it'll be generation C by then. I'm like, but and I'm excited for it when you do or whenever decision you make. But I I think these generations that are to come, we have to emphasize. So, okay, so you got made fun of in a different way, right? I got made fun of in a different way. But in all of that, that's hate and bullying. It doesn't matter. We're not teaching empathy. We're not teaching kindness. We're not teaching compassion. These culture boxes or the toys that we come out with or the things that will help a kid not call you, you know, words and mean things when you were growing up is because we're teaching kindness, empathy, and compassion. And that's the main thing to teach them, no matter which way we're doing it, whether through it's an in-kids product or whether through it's a book or something that you're going to talk about to your niece or nephew. It's just teaching them that and starting them early, as early as two years old. Can you imagine as early as two years old, you can start. And I know parents are busy and I know parents have so much on their plate, but I'll tell you one thing a parent can do that you don't have to pay money for it at all. You watch yourself, how you talk and how you treat other people, because our children at two years old will mimic and see what we are doing. And if they see us do it, and if they hear us do it, guess what they're going to do? It's embedded in their brain and they're going to keep doing it. Oh, preach it. Oh, I love this so much because, you know, one of the things I tell the ladies in my community um, and, and gentlemen is the way that we heal or the way that we change the legacy, the way that we help, uh, you know, influence our children so that they can grow up feeling good about their own bodies. The way that we change the legacy is by healing our relationship with ourselves first. And what I hear from you, Dr. Z, is the the same thing is true when it comes to how do we raise kids or influence the next generation to be more empathetic, loving, and celebrating other cultures. The way that we do that is by, I guess, first 
working on ourselves. That's, that's the, the oh, greatest 100%. thing we can do. Yeah. And, and, and look, I'm no perfect thing. I have my own traumas. I have my own insecurities. I have my own, I've struggled through it and got through it. One thing that I'll tell you that, you know, I have a, a six-year-old soon to be, and, and she sees me and, um, we have this thing with makeup in our house. So mommy doesn't wear makeup unless mommy's doing a shoot or mommy's on camera or mommy is going out somewhere. And both my kids have now embeddedly said, makeup and clothes and all these things don't make us pretty or beautiful. It is our hearts that do. It is our acts of kindness that do. It is what we show to the world is makes us beautiful. And I don't think I realized I said that until they started repeating it. And that for me was that, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not affirmation, but like validation, validation that, okay, they listen. So here's the thing. When I said a, cat, a cuss word, they heard that too. So it wasn't they did it because I remember the night she said that word. I was like, where did you? she goes, you said it the other day. I'm like, okay. Ooh. <laughs> These little mirrors. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so even like with your, your community, you know, I'm big on like exercising and doing Pilates. And so I take Amara with me when sometimes on Saturdays and she watches me do Pilates or when I'm doing meditation or I'm journaling, both my kids want to meditate and journal now. You know, it's become a thing for them where she does it on her own. She gets her pillow, she puts her YouTube on, puts her headphones on. He's not there yet, but I also have this struggle with him to sit in one place, but, but she sees these things. And I think that's something I didn't learn. You know, our culture didn't teach us self-care or evolving as a woman. And, and it's so important. So I'm giving you these examples because that's really the perspective we have to take for our next generation. And if we're going to spew hate and, and biases and prejudice, then we're going to repeat the same patterns that have happened literally this past year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey there, friends. I just wanted to pop in really quick and see if you're looking to ignite your transformation for creating a healthier life that you love from the inside out. If so, I've got some good news. If you're willing to give me 10 minutes a day for just five days, I just recently launched my new five-day kickstart. In five days, you're going to learn my signature coaching framework, helping hundreds of women around the world ditch diet culture. I'm also going to share the five action steps that you need to start doing right now to ignite that health transformation. And they're likely not what you've been taught from diet programs. And I'm also going to be giving you strategies to create lasting change in your life from the inside out. And the good news, friends, it's 100% free. If you're ready to join the free five-day kickstart, visit coachkaya.com to get started. You know, you mentioned um, the issue of hate and bullying and how prevalent it still is amongst schools. And I know that you have, you know, this incredible business in Kids Co., but clearly it's so much more than just a business. It's so much more than just subscription boxes. It's really this this movement, it has this deeper purpose that I, I can just see the way that it is going to affect generations to come in a big way. And you started, um, you and your company started this campaign recently called the hashtag stop hate campaign. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about that. So stop hate came from, um, the inspiration of what was happening with our world, literally the Asian hate, the violence against black people, the violence against minorities, the violence against transgender, you name it, whoever, whoever there was this hatred or this spewing of violence against, it came from that. 
And what happened was I started, you know, I, I'm understanding as an entrepreneur or as a brand, you have to, you know, put things out there. So I was watching a lot of people say, you know, things about, oh, we condemn Asian hate, we condemn, and these were brands. And I was like, I got a little frustrated personally. I was like, okay, great, you condemn it. Now what? Like, what are you doing? My kids look up to these brands. My kids see these things. My kids do. Where's the education behind this? What is the next step behind this? Congratulations. But that's the part I really get frustrated with. And so what I did was I went on to IGTV like the rest of the world does and just start spewing things out. And I said, I'm stopping hate. In kids, it's stopping hate. In kids is now going to put resources out there, help parents understand how biases turn into prejudices, Prejudice turn into stereotypes. Stereotypes then will turn into violence. And that has been my thing from nonstop. No child has learned a bias. No child has learned a stereotype. It is taught that. And that comes from our memes, our jokes, the things we say. So I was frustrated and I said, I'm going to create products, which we've already been doing, to teach children how to accept one another as they are. And then it turned into a campaign without me even understanding how it did, but it turned into a campaign. Boy Meets Girl, this amazing brand in New York who is all about social justice. She's a clothing brand, Stacey Eagle. And I started talking about it and she's like, I'm in. And I'm like, what are we doing? I was like, I don't know what you're talking And we had our bond bands, which have always been from the beginning that I started in kids, the bands that teach about unity, acceptance, and giving to one another. So they're more than a friendship brand and they're bigger than a Rakshabandhan, which is the tradition we taught them from. They're to stop hate. You wear the band to say that you will protect someone and you will stop hate and stop bullying that is going out there, whether it's adult bullying or even within kids, because there's still adult bullying out there that people don't recognize. So then Stop Hate went from just me talking about it, becoming a national media campaign, and then now it has become a box where every single box that's sold, we give 10%, both me and um, Boy Meets Girl, we each give to the National Bully Prevention Program, Bully Bust, and the National School Climate, which is an amazing organization that's been around for over 25 years that has resources not only for schools, but for parents, how to help. And in our box, we have two bond bands, we have a t-shirt, we have all the goodies kids love, but the most important thing is we have a pledge. And we tell everyone to take a picture or a video of that pledge and post it so they can pass it on to somebody else. And that pledge really is to stop hate and stop bullying. You know, and when we say bullying, we only think of in school, it's not. It is all over the place. Social media, and you especially know this guy, it is, just because you're saying something to someone, you're like, oh, they're being mean to me. That's bullying. When you're making fun of someone and you're hurting their feelings, if you've hurt someone's emotions and you have put them down and they are upset about it, that is bullying. I know this word is used very, oh, don't say it. Well, then don't do it. That's it. So that's where Stop Hate came from. It, it started with what was happening in the world. And it really became full circle now where we're talking about it with our kids. So cool. And another thing that just kind of happened organically, which I think is um, just a testament. I don't know. I, I guess, you know, both of our businesses kind of happened organically. We didn't necessarily set out to be entrepreneurs. And I think that that's really special because I don't know if you, if you root yourself in your passions and what you really believe in, I feel like sometimes that will really just guide the direction of where, where it goes. You know, there was that phrase that I think a lot of us were taught when we were little, which is sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. 
which I think is, which is not helpful at all. I think that, I think we are living now in a, in a day and age where finally, um, mental health is finally being brought up into the conversation, which yes. thank goodness, um, because, you know, even working with, you know, doing my own work on myself and now working with so many other women that are really focused on re rebuilding their relationships with themselves, the things that we are uncovering are words that wounded them so long ago when they were little, when they were young kids. And so I just, I love your mission and I love everything that this stands for. And as someone who hopes to have kids of my own one day, just so many amazing resources that I hope to implement. And not only with my future kids, but also with my nieces. I just think it's so special what you have and, and what you're sharing. And I'm, I, I feel hopeful. I feel like sometimes our, our world can feel so bleak and scary and sad and dark. And I feel really hopeful about this next generation of kids. And I think it's because of, of people like you that are, that are doing something about it, not just talking about it, but really taking action and initiative to create campaigns and products and resources to really help us make sure that the next generation it does things differently because we need it. Oh, the world needs it. I, I, I hope I could do that. And if I could start a little bit, I, I can't do it alone. All of us have to do this together and we all have to work together to really make this happen because it's really easy to put a product out there and go and make a speech or talk about it. But I think teaching our children to be, you know, better human, not better human beings. That's actually not right. They're great human beings. Our kids are amazing. Okay. They're so resilient. They're wonderful kids. I think to give them that avenue of how do we prevent, how do we learn from the past? prevent what's happening in the present and make a better future. Really, that's the three steps we need to take because even us as adults, because that's the most important thing. And again, I say it, we all have to do it together. You know, yeah. I have one piece of it. You have one piece of it. Somebody else has another piece of it. And that's really going to help us just really, I, I'll feel comfortable, you know, when I pass on to be like, I left something for the next generation to actually thrive off of. Yeah. And like you said before, I think the journey for all of us starts with working on ourselves first, which I think is, is really, really powerful. Before we wrap up our conversation, I have just loved hearing about this um, and, and your passion for, for this company and your mission just really shines through. But you know, this, this podcast is called climb climbing with coach Kaya. And, and when, when I think about climb, we're all climbing a different mountain. So I'm curious for you as an entrepreneur, what is, what's the mountain that you feel like you're currently climbing as an entrepreneur that you're taking those baby steps Towards. You know, I, like you said, I kind of fell into being an entrepreneur. So I have had, it's been an interesting journey. Now I've only been an entrepreneur for about two years now. And, and, and we've had a very up and down, you know, we're, we're, we're seeking, we're seeing the successes late now, but we're seeing them and exciting successes that are coming up. And I think what it's been has been to believe in myself. Number one, I've had an extreme struggle to believe that I can do this. Like, I don't know this, or I don't understand this, or how do I do this? I think after a few of these accelerator programs that I've done, one was with Target, which really emphasizes. But I think the other thing was, is knowing that if I fail, it's okay. Nobody's gonna, you know, my good friend Kai also and I had a great conversation about that. It's okay, and I just keep moving on, you know, and, and keep going. And, and also just, letting myself breathe. 
I, I forget that. And, 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 and taking a moment for myself, one thing per day. Um, some of, well, Kai knows this about me. And if for all of you, I'm very big on morning meditation and journaling and exercising and, and I have a lot of work to do and I have fallen off the boat and like, and, and, you know, I think, I think that's what it is, is changing it up. I think I'm learning that too. And then when it comes with specifically with entrepreneurship, it's, it's, learning and learning from from my peers and talking to other people and and some really big retail things are happening and i literally called up another ceo and she just sat me down and said okay here's some thoughts let's let's go through this process and and i was like oh these are great points let's go find out this let's go do this because i'm not going to know everything and i don't think any entrepreneur unless you're bill gates i'm, I'm pretty sure he still learns every day too but but like, you know, Indra Nuri is one of my favorites. She's like, she was a Pepsi CEO and I was reading her book and she's like, I still don't know everything. I act like I do, but I don't, I really don't. And so that's the point is like, we're learning, we're constantly learning and I'm constantly learning, you know, and I admire you, you're, you know, I'm 43 and, and, and I love that at 28, what you've accomplished and what you've done. I look to you and I look to so many of my friends who are younger, who like could teach me something and I'd be like, oh, do this or think about it that way. And that's the important part of it. I think these are the little three things I have to work on and still climbing through. So I know everyone thinks like when you're in an entrepreneur, you're like working, you have this together, you're doing this. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's like you really have those struggling days and those crying nights, you know, and, and I'll specifically remember when Nordstrom's came to us and said, this is what you want to do. I sat down and that night I had a, a glass of wine and I called up my girlfriend and I was bawling on the phone. I'm like, how do I make this happen? And then I remember calling, texting you. I text Kai and I was like, I need to talk. I'm overwhelmed. I, I just, and we literally just got on a call and I was like, okay, this is normal. I, you just have to follow these steps, you know, and just keep moving ahead. So those are my little steps is fix me and change it about, and then keep learning and keep moving ahead. And, and I honestly will say one of the biggest things is I just want to keep this passion and mission going. Mm -hmm. And when I think I have a moment that I've lost it, then I know I have to move to something else Yeah. But right now this is what thrives me. This is what keeps me going. And, and, and I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. You know, mm. um, I will tell you one thing I read and I don't remember the quote who said it, it was keep the people around you who are going to uplift you, move the ones aside. You know, I'm not trying to be mean to be like, you don't need to be my friend or move those aside and stop listening to the ones who just have this negativity and this toxicity in you. And those are, those are really big words, but just keep those people who are inspiring you, who are pushing you, who are giving you the advice, who are telling you this is how it is. And, and, and that doesn't have to be a lot of people. Oh, so good. I just, I, I love that. I think what you said too about like, the most important thing is keeping at the core of what you do, being that mission and your drive. And the reason that you started this in the first place. And um, I think that that is, you know, I, I talk about finding joy in the journey. And I think for me, when I think about my entrepreneurial journey on the days when I am like down in it, like I am struggling, I had a failure. I feel like an imposter, like all of the things we all have those days. Wow, it all comes at once. Doesn't it really? It really like does. It really does. And when I'm feeling that way, I have to pause and ask myself, why am I doing this? And when I reroute myself in my why and the women that I want to serve, even if it's just one woman, then it just, it helps realign me again and bring me back down to my foundation. And I love hearing that that's the same thing for you because entrepreneurship is beautiful, wonderful, and really freaking messy and hard and challenging 
challenging (laughs) all at the same time. Like you can't have one without the other, but I think as long as you're really rooted in that mission and that why, I think that that can really be your, your guiding light, um, to let you decide which direction to go, what things to stop doing. That's something that I'm trying to learn right now because I try to do all the things all at the same time. So I think that that's so powerful. And just a reminder that like, yeah, like you said, nobody has it all figured out. Like that is just the most freeing realization ever of like, oh, then I must be right on track because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I I wish someone would say I got it all figured out and then put a book out about it. Because like, <laughs> nobody can do that. It's not possible. No, Absolutely. You're, you're always going to have something that is going to make sure that you <laughs> that you you have an insecurity or you you get overwhelmed. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like using those words, but but it's true. Yeah. Okay. I before I have you tell us about all the like where everyone can find you as someone who's a fairly new entrepreneur whose business is really founded in this mission, what would you say to someone who's, who has, maybe they have like a mission on their heart. Like maybe there's a cause, like maybe it's something like, like for you, it was, I want to stop hate. I want to stop bullying. I want to like, you know, help us teach kids how to be more accepting of one another. Let's say someone out there is listening and they're like, Ooh, I have this thing on my heart and I want to do something with it. What would you, where would you tell them to start? Like if, if they just have that dream, that desire, like where, where would you tell them to begin? I would say the first thing to do is write it down, write it down, write down what it is that you want to do. And I, and I didn't do that to be totally honest with you. I think I said it out loud. I'm, I'm a better speaker than a writer and you know that about me. So I mean, I, I talk a lot better than I do. And, and so what I did was I sat down with my husband who is one of the most in my life. So okay, I'm going to back up a little. If you ask any of my friends, Zabina is idea queen. I come up with all the ideas, even for their businesses and for their stuff. I love the ideas. Implementing them was a little harder for me. (laughs) But when I came up with the idea of in kids and I sat down with my husband and I said, this is what I'm thinking. This is what what I want to do. And I think for him, it was like, okay, she's going to do a lot of the kids are at school type of thing. (laughs) Like He's like, this is great. He goes, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I think he got it as a parent now because he was one. So I would say write it down or say it out loud. And then if it's a passion first, if it's a passion first, talk about why it's a passion for you. What's really behind it? Because if that passion connects with somebody else, then it's going to hit someone else. That means then you have found a market or a niche that nobody else has. Then if there's a mission behind it, then look at all the different missions that come with that. Like, look at all the nonprofits out there. Look at all the, you know, all the people who are trying to work in this, this world, whether it's, it's talking about bullying or it's talking about hate, or it's talking about, you know, there's this thing about women not drinking nowadays. And, and, and then like, you know, moms, like the wine culture is not cool. I'm not saying I'm just, I'm noticing that that's why I was like, like so go look at that or adult bullying. Cause I have friends now who are talking about how they've been doing that in, in, in school or, or like just the stuff you talk about, you know, loving yourself and, and implementing you, how you've done it with, and then showing others how to do it because there's many ways to do it. Your way is not the only way. There's so many ways to figure that out. And I think that's the thing to do is talk about it, write about your passion, and then go look for the other missions that go along with yours. Because you're also going to learn something that you don't know about how someone's put it out there. Or someone's already done it, and you just have to figure out how to go along with them or figure out a different way to do it. 
because that's really important too, you know, is like, you don't want to go out there and be like, okay, I'm creating this passion and mission and someone's already done it, you know? So that's the other piece to it. I, again, didn't do all these things guys, but I learned that later on in life that these were the important things too. I would also give one suggestion to someone who wants to create a company that I didn't do. And I say this to every entrepreneur who's trying to do it, go talk to another entrepreneur. I don't care what business they do. I don't care what are they doing. If they have a successful business and they are a woman entrepreneur and you are even a woman or a man, go talk to them and ask them, this is what I'm thinking of doing. This is how I'm going to do it. What do you think are any of your suggestions? Because I think one of the lacks that I had was I did it afterwards and I wish I had done it in the beginning because some of the mistakes that I would have made, I wouldn't have made. But as long as you're going on your journey to be an entrepreneur, make sure you have other entrepreneurs who you can go and talk to all the time. Such good advice. And I think too, even if you don't do it, these are such great suggestions, but also keep in mind that the way Zavina started was by just implementing and making change in her own home. So give yourself permission to start small, do what you can with what you have, where you're at, because that is, that is the foundation and who knows where it can go from there. Oh, Z, I just love you. And I love this conversation so much for folks that want to connect with you or are maybe interested in these boxes, which I'm just going to make the plug because I was checking them out earlier today. And I think that they would be a really, really special gift this holiday season, something that's different. Um, you know, I have young nieces and they have so many toys, but they don't have anything like this. So I feel like it's a a really cool gift idea too, if you have little ones in your life. So that's, that's what's been on my brain. But anyways, quick little plug for Z, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about in kids and check out the boxes and all this? Yeah, I do want to say we're America made, we're reusable, we're sustainable and we're recyclable. So that's one big thing that I really want everyone to know, because I keep forgetting to emphasize on that. (laughs) Or my, my partner's like, you need to tell people that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I want to make sure. So in kids, our website is www www.inkids with a Z, like Dr. Z, co.com. All our products are, um, you can buy them at any time. Um, we just released our Mexico box for um, Dia de, Dia de, I cannot talk today, Dia de los Muertos. And we have our mindful box, which is our grande mindful and our mindful box for the holiday season that's out as well. So it's on pre-order right now. Um, we're trying to do everything early because of the supply chain issues that everybody knows about and we want to get it out there. But all of our boxes are available. We are also available on maisonette.com and we will be at, at the end of October available at nordstrom.com. So you guys can go purchase it. We are on social media at InKidsCo, and our website has some great resources for all the countries that we've published. Please also go check out our Stop Hate campaign because our Stop Hate box is giving back to the National Rampo as well as the school's Bully Bus because these are amazing organizations that help prevent teaching kids to stop hate and stop bullying in school. Amazing. I love this mission so much and I am so excited to see where it goes and and how it really, really changes the world. I believe in it wholeheartedly and I just feel so honored to be friends with you and get to watch this grow and flourish. And thank you so much for sharing your experience and your heart with my community. Z, you're just the best. Oh, you're the best. I really do love you as well so much. Awesome. Well, everyone, I hope that you have a great day. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. And I hope that you are enjoying this National Women's Small Business Month series as much as I am. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.